When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Second hour of Clay and Buck Kicks. Good now, everybody. Thank you for being here with us. Um, just, just to be clear, the... Uh, Hundreds of residents of Memphis, Texas, Clay, have been reaching out to let us know there is indeed a Memphis, Texas, although that caller was from Memphis, Tennessee. But um, I learned something new about about geography of the uh, the Lone Star State today. So there you go. Even as a New Yorker, do you feel like there are towns? Do you know every town in Nashville? I know most towns in New York, but I couldn't say that I know every town in New York State. I bet there are a few that would slip past me. I think I know most of the Nashville area, but I mean, there are. No, a lot I mean small. statewide. I mean the whole long state of Tennessee. Are there any towns that they could slip oh, past? Oh, there's a hundred percent places that I wouldn't know exist. Yeah, me too. Um, sometimes, sometimes it even happens in our callers. They'll say they're from somewhere in New York. I'm like, where is that in New York? So learning is one of the fun things about this show. One thing the Democrats will not learn, and that is what we call a smooth transition is what to do about crime and violence and how to improve the situation on, on America's streets. Um, Kamala Harris, who I want to remind everybody, because I think this has been kind of forgotten. I think this has been left by the wayside. Um, she was, at one point, the border czar. The border czar. Do you remember that, everybody? Kamala Harris, border czar. And then there was that whole, oh, we've been to the border, she said in the interview, to which I believe it was Lester Holt, the interviewer had to say, no, you haven't. So by, by been to the border, you mean actually not, not to the border. Um, Kamala did not do herself any favors in that period of time when she was the border czar. But now she is another czar of sorts, Clay. She has announced that she will oversee 
the first ever White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention. Play two. I have some big news to share. We are announcing the creation of the first ever White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention. And we are doing this work in large part because of the activism, the organizing, the marching, the voting of all of you leaders, be it students, parents, teachers, community leaders, who understand that living free from gun violence should be a right. So we're going to work on this together. We're going to continue to fight for reasonable gun safety laws and for the ability of all people to live their best lives free from fear, free from violence. Now, that's on the delusional side of the equation as to what to do about this. Clay, a hat tip to you for for putting this on my radar, this Wall Street Journal opinion piece. Mayor Eric Johnson of Dallas America's cities need Republicans, and I'm becoming one. While Dallas has thrived, elsewhere Democratic policies have exacerbated crime and homelessness. So here is a mayor who is saying that he is changing party affiliation because to be a Republican mayor in this day and age is to be one who cares about the safety, security, and the law and order of his city. To be a Democrat is to be on board for the destruction of those things. Well, it's crazy to have a policy on gun violence and not the number one policy on gun violence be if you use a gun violently, you should go to jail for the longest possible sentence imaginable. Right. I mean, it is laughably absurd to say that you care about gun violence and focus on the guns and not the people who are perpetrating the crimes with the guns. Because what Democrats would do is... And what they are doing all over the country is allow people who engage in violent behavior with weapons to get back out on the street faster to be able to continue to engage in violent behavior with weapons. So Kamala Harris, I mean, every single time she speaks, it feels to me like she's talking to a room full of kindergartners in her speech patterns and the way that she just naturally communicates. But this would be the first question that anyone with a functional brain should ask, okay, you have this new gun violence, uh, what would you even call it, like working group, whatever the focus, whatever, yeah. however you want to define it. How are you going to allow crimes of violence to go without significant punishment when they involve guns? And and the answer is I, they don't have one. And, and I give credit to, it's Eric Johnson, I think is his name, uh, in Dallas, who is basically saying, Democrat policies are broken. And the one thing, particularly as they pertain to cities, the one thing I will say that the Biden administration has done is it's removed the the Donald Trump argument. Because if you're living in New York City right now, or you're living in San Francisco, or you're living in Washington, D.C., or Chicago, these cities effectively do not have opposition parties. And when you do not have an opposition party, every decision that's being made is being made by a... Democrat-based policy decision-maker. And all of them are disastrous. I mean, is there anyone listening to us right now who lives in Chicago, who lives in San Francisco, who lives in New York City, who lives in Washington, D.C., Atlanta? I mean, cities all over the country where you say, hey, you know what, things are going really well here. Sometimes cities are somewhat protected by having red state governor or red state government. I'll give you an example. I'm here in Nashville. We have typically Democrat mayors. And by and large, they've been fairly moderate, although I don't know whether that's going to continue to be the case. But you have a red state that governs those places. 
So you have that interplay between red and blue, which at least provides some sort of opposition party aspect in these places. The places that are blue throughout, it seems to me, Buck, Chicago's in Illinois, entirely blue state. Uh, New York City, obviously in New York, entirely blue state. D.C. is not a state, but the entire government is all run by uh, by Democrats. Same thing, San Francisco. Everything falls apart. And I wonder... The cognitive dissonance that that predict that 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 presages that that creates is you have to acknowledge. Wait a minute, everything that I want to support is creating the disastrous situation that I find myself in, and I wonder how many people are slowly having sort of the red pill moment where they say maybe Democrat policies yeah. actually don't make sense. It's not that what Democrats do on crime and and their approach to crime is suboptimal. It's that it is. The opposite of what would be helpful. And what would be helpful is to back and support law enforcement who are faithfully, you know, executing their role, um, to have prosecutors who will make the, you know, make the distinction between somebody who, yeah, people make mistakes. People should get a second chance. And then there are people that are carjacking, you know, mothers with their children in front of them in broad daylight and pistol whipping the mom. And, you know, you got to go to prison. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you've got to actually lock people up who are a menace, who are violent, who are unrepentant and who are a danger to society. And, you know, what, what you see in so many of these cities, and this is why the whole gun violence thing, all they, they use, they use the emotional issue. This is what Democrats do. They use the emotional issue of gun violence to push for firearms restrictions that will do nothing other than antagonize Lawful Second Amendment, uh, you know, exercising uh, Americans. Like the whole point is, oh, we have to limit your AR magazine, or oh, we have to get rid of your, uh, your your bump stock, or whatever. And then you go into cities, Clay, and what do you see? All these Soros prosecutors declining in huge numbers, and this is particularly true in Philadelphia, where I think Krasner, the DA there, was declining at one point like fifty percent of repeat offenders who had an illegal handgun on them because they don't they you know they think the demographics of who's being arrested with illegal handguns in philly in other cities as well is uh a social justice problem yeah and so they won't actually prosecute that's what happens well they've convinced a lot of white democrats that it's racist to try to put criminals behind bars because too often the criminals are black and so this whole concept, and, and I keep hammering it, but I think it's important. Being concerned that you're too mean to criminals is a legacy of a low crime environment. If you have super low crime, then you can say, okay, maybe we're putting too many people in jail. But what becomes a cycle is you let the people out of jail, crime goes back up, and people say, hey, why did we let the criminals out of jail in the first place? And, and honestly, the Soros entire concept, I, I don't even really understand it. It's, it, because, it feels like it's meant to destabilize and undermine Society, Correct. honestly, because they're, you know, it, it's rooted, I guess, in some really pathological guilt complex, um, and and maybe a, a white guilt complex. That's where Soros gets this from. But I, I mean, to to look at the numbers, Clay, a city like Washington D.C., one you and I have both been residents yeah. of and know well. In in Washington D.C., um, you have about six hundred thousand residents. Uh, I think close to half the city is black. I think that's right, 300,000. And you have a prison population. The D.C. prison at any point in time is about 1,200 people. 
Well, you could double the size of that prison population, right? You could have 2,000 people in prison and make the whole city a lot safer, including for the 300,000 African Americans who live in D.C., who are committing no crimes and just want to live their lives in safety yeah. like everybody else. But the Soros point of view is it's a problem because of the percentages of who is incarcerated in D.C. Because of the numbers. It's by the D.C. prison system is 90 to 93 percent African-American on any given day. And what it is, Buck, is white guilt becomes a tax on black lives. So if you want to talk about white supremacy, probably the single most destructive thing that white people are doing in America today is not protecting black people in inner cities because they've decided that it's racist. And meanwhile, you look at the data, Buck, what do many of black people want in inner city neighborhoods? More police. That's what they're begging for. So you have white people who want to get on social media and talk about how much of, uh, how much of, uh, you know, social justice warriors they are. And they end up creating situations that are worse than if they had done nothing at all. I mean, I grew up in Manhattan, so this is going to be unsurprising. I knew people who during the early stage of, of BLM lived in, uh, almost entirely white suburbs of the country, you know, 90% yeah. or, or, you know, place in the country where there's effectively zero diversity, almost no diversity at all in multi-million dollar homes who were on social media loudly advocating for the dissolution of police forces in Correct. places like Minneapolis. And I mean, that is the contemporary liberal today. When you actually go into black communities, whether it's in Baltimore or, or, you know, DC or New York or wherever, and you just walk around and you speak to them, people have done this. They say, no, we, we want more police. We want more security on the streets. We want more law and order because that's what everybody wants. Yes. And yet yeah. there's this disconnect, the Soros mindset, this disconnect. I mean, look at Minneapolis. Use it as an example where George Floyd died. Almost to a person, I bet, if you ask anybody who's living in inner city Minneapolis, is your life better or worse than it was before May of 2020 when Black Lives Matter took up arms and decided that we needed to fundamentally change the way that we police in America? By almost every statistical measure in Minneapolis, things are worse. They have half as many cops, I think, as the, the current data. The murder rate has more than doubled than what it was before George Floyd. Crimes of violence have skyrocketed, and everything is worse. BLM, if you look at the data, the more active BLM is in a city, the more black people who die, because they are advocating for policies that actually, uh, unbelievably, really, when you consider the name of the organization as Black Lives Matter, actually lead to the death of more black people. I mean, that you know, is if you, unambiguously true based on the data. If you told me... If I were the mayor of D.C. and you told me that, and, and I, I looked up those numbers the other day, that's why I know them. Like I said, the, the prison system on any given day is, it's like 97% male, which we always yeah. talk about. Yeah, oh, of course. Because, yeah, you know who does the violence? Guys. It's just reality. And we're the ones who do the violence. police are sexist. No one, that, um, that argument is never made. All men know, are being discriminated against. Nobody ever argues it. Um, but if you told me that you had to expand uh, you know, the, the DC prison population by, I don't know, 30 or 40%. So let's say you take it from roughly a thousand to 1300 or 1400, but it would save 50 lives and take, you know, a, you know, maybe a thousand felonies, serious felonies off the streets of DC for next year. I think that's a reasonable calculation to make. 
It's 100%. I think that's a reasonable calculation. The problem is Democrats do not. That's mass incarceration, that's systemic racism, and this is why these things don't get better. 800-282-2882. If you're in Dallas, by the way, you want to speak to us about the uh, uh, situation. I know we're, we, we don't have a station in Dallas, one of the very few uh, parts of the country where we actually aren't on. But if you're in the Dallas area listening, streaming perhaps, curious to know what you uh, think of your mayor switching to Republican. Start earning high-yield returns in a low-yield market by investing in Phoenix Capital Group's corporate bonds. You choose your investment amount term limit and earn returns from 9 to 13, 9 to 13% annual interest with Phoenix Capital's domestic energy bond assets. These bonds have been filed with the SEC and are also independently audited. Phoenix Capital buys energy royalties previously reserved for institutional investors, now accessible to you, the savvy investor. Phoenix Capital Group is disrupting the traditional energy industry through their proprietary offerings, yielding up to 13% annual interest. Learn more by downloading the Phoenix Group's free investment guide today at phxonair.com. For a private investor meeting, visit phxonair.com for an appointment with Matt Willer, Managing Director of Capital Markets. Investment in bonds have a certain amount of risk associated with it, and you should only invest if you can afford to bear the risk of loss. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today for more information. One truth revealed after another. Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk, the cell phone company we both rely on, is further investing in their customers without charging an extra penny. Pure Talk is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in more than 50 countries, too. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. You keep your phone number and your phone unless you want to get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Up to you. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. The number one fantasy sports app in America is Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Five million members already active on Prize Picks. If you've not yet downloaded Prize Picks, do it today. Unlike other apps on Prize Picks, it's just you against the number. It's about the players and not the teams. You look for the sports you know best. 
and that you follow the most. Then you make a single decision on each player projection, more or less. Every time you play, you pick two to six players and make that one decision. You can win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four picks. More player action on prize picks now than ever, and it's the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states now. Price Picks also gives you injury insurance so your picks stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Download the free Price Picks app and open your account. Use my name, Clay, for a first deposit match up to $100. Download the Price Picks app. Use promo code Clay, that's C L A Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Coming up here in a couple of minutes. There finally seems to be some pushback coming on John Fetterman. Now, we're going to play some audio for you where he started to cry because he's not able to do his job and he has auditory processing issues. And, well, of course. I mean, everybody said that. That's why he shouldn't be in the United States Senate. I mean, if you have a broken leg, you shouldn't be running track. And if you're never going to get well and be able to do the job, you shouldn't sign up for a six-year job in the United States Senate as a member from Pennsylvania. But for a lot of people, Buck, I think this decision by Schumer to change the dress codes has really resonated across party lines. Did you see the picture of Fetterman in his shorts and in his shirt coming off the Senate floor after he had presided there? I mean, this is not a well man. And, and and I think even for Democrats, Dick Durbin came out and spoke out against it. Adam Kinzinger, who's basically a uh, a Democrat now, they're all saying this is ridiculous, that we would allow a 50-something-year-old man to change the 200-year tradition in the Senate that you dress respectfully. Something's finally going on here, and people, it seems, are finally starting to recognize what a disaster Fetterman is. I really do think. I think his mustache, though, is catching on. I mean, people, I th- I've been saying this for a while. Facial hair goes, it, it stylistically goes in phases. We have been in the era of the beard for now about a decade, maybe a decade plus. If you go back and you look at like the 1920s, a lot of mustaches out there. So is Fetterman actually a trendsetter? I think anything Fetterman does is going to work against him, Buck. You think so? I do agree with you that the mustache is making a comeback. Mustache is making a comeback. You're seeing more and more people rocking the, you know, kind of like the pilot mustache too. That's what I would call it. It's, I used to think it was funny. Whenever there was like a CNN would have to talk about the missing plane. If you were a pilot, you were going to go on TV. You had to have a mustache or yeah. else no one believed you were a pilot. Yeah. The, uh, the, the fetter stash, um, I think is not helping the mustache department. All right, welcome back. Lines are open, 800-282-282. Did I say that right? On this Friday. Um, and we want to take a lot of your calls here. We will get into, uh, Clay's going to lead us off in a little bit, the article on Barstool Sports Dave Portnoy pizza event from the Washington Post. We played that audio for you yesterday when Portnoy was taking the Washington Post reporter to task for so you're just setting up an ambush here, right? That's what's going on. Well, we can talk to you about what's actually in the piece because it is now out. Uh, also, for our VIPs, please send us emails. Fridays, we love to get through as many of your emails as we can. Go to clayandbuck.com, sign up to be a VIP for that. We have uh, Andy in Chico, California. What's going on, Andy? 
I just wanted to comment on your discussion about Soros and the uh, DAs who fail to prosecute crimes. And you were asking about the reason for it. The reason for it, in my mind, Clay, is, or, or excuse me, uh, is that. Buck, the other guy. Generate, yes. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Buck. That's okay. That I'm here. We're that cool. That generates, that generates fear, like climate change and all the other things, the immigration. It's all designed to generate fear, which gives the government more control because now you were in such trouble, you were willing to let them run your life even more. I think that's an interesting argument. I thank you for the call. Buck, I really think it just comes down to the number one fear of white liberals. The number one fear is being called racist. And I, I, I'm telling you, this is the thing that they, that would keep them up at night is the idea that anybody, especially on social media, would ever call them racist. It is so integral to their core beliefs that they are better than everybody else that the accusation of racism is completely unacceptable. And as a result, this is my theory. As a result, they engage in this over the top behavior that protects them from being accused of racism in their mind. And they accuse others of being racist instead and accuse much of the country of being systemically racist. And again, the thing that, that I would, I would love to hear somebody in the Soros backed prosecutor system explain this. The more power these Soros prosecutors get, Buck, the more violence ensues in these cities. And the people who overwhelmingly bear the cost of that violence is minorities. And so these white people who are arguing that they are profoundly anti-racist and that the American criminal justice system is racist and as a result they have to take up arms against it are actually engaging in the most destructive behavior to minorities imaginable. Well, there's this, uh, this term. They, 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 yeah, it's yeah. crazy. There's this term, anarcho-tyranny, which you will see sometimes used, which refers to a state where the laws, it's like a dictatorship where the laws are not really enforced, so it's the purge for everybody, except on matters relating to the state or on certain issues of, of speech and control where they're ruthlessly enforcing the laws. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see... The way it is right now in our system, I mean, think about it this way. The uh, sympathy in major cities for people who do things that are objectively bad, right? That are, we could all say it is bad to hit someone with a, with a bat because, you know, you want to steal their, their wallet, right? These, it is bad to hold a gun to someone's head and say, give me your car. There's sympathy in the Democrat regimes for that, and they don't really want to do very much about that. They want to be as lax on that as possible. Meanwhile, we've seen what's gone on with some of the J6 defendants. We see what's going on with Donald Trump himself. We see what happens in different jurisdictions with Republicans who end up, you know, defending themselves and Kyle Rittenhouse. You see what I mean? I mean, yeah. there's a, the, the laws, the laws are enforced in such a way that you are subject to violence and, uh, and constant fear. But at the same time, if you upset the government, then the laws are enforced very strictly. Let me also give you this example, Buck, on the uh, – so first of all, I, to sum up the, the, what I think is going on here with these pros prosecutors is they're claiming to care about others, but ultimately their choice is about how they are seen in society. It's important to recognize that that dichotomy in many ways. It's not about making minorities safer or having their lives be better. It's about people – thinking that you believe that, even if your actual actions are different. Let me hit you with this question, Buck, to kind of per personify this and bring it home uh, on an individual basis. 
you or I are on video using a racial slur, probably we get fired almost immediately. That's the world in which we live in. If you or I got a DUI, I think we'd be fine. If you or I got a second DUI, we might still be fine. And I don't think it's just us. Think about this for a minute. If you're a white guy, you're better off getting two or three DUIs, driving drunk, putting tons of people at risk in theory because of your behavior, than you are using a racial slur. And I think that builds on what you're saying, Buck, which is we've created this moral hierarchy where we're not judging based on the venality of an act, right? The entire purpose of the criminal justice system is murder is the worst crime you can commit, by and large. You should be punished most severely for murder. Jaywalking, while maybe being a crime, is very inconsequential in the larger criminal context, so the punishment should be less. The entire strata of our criminal justice system is predicated on the idea of we judge the severity of a crime and punish the more severe crimes more severely. Now we live in a world where you can often be punished in a societal level for things that aren't even crimes more severely than you can for actual well, crimes. That's it. And that's exactly what I mean. I mean, whatever the term is, and you know, people, people don't like the term anarchy. They say, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, inexact or it's improper or then whatever. How do you describe the increasing trend we have in society right now where truly obviously bad conduct is always given at least more of the benefit of the doubt by the system and, and an effort to, and people say, oh, that's not true. Actually, it is. When you've been arrested a hundred yeah. times in New York City for doing bad things and you're still on the street, you know, and, and then you see on the other side of it, I'm sorry, but there are people that are nonviolent J6 offenders, but they offended the regime. Yes. And some of them got months or even years in prison for that. You know, what do you call that legal system? Never, never mind what's going on, you know, with Donald Trump himself. Where you have to sit there and say, what's his crime? I mean, Clay, the, the Republican front runner and now almost presumptive nominee, you sit there and you say, he's, he's in a criminal trial in New York City. I mean, whether it happens or not, we all know it's a joke. For a clerical error. Yes. I mean, theoretically, they may actually want to put him in prison. They may want to handcuff the former president, march him into, I know, I don't think they're going to do this in New York because I don't think the case is strong enough. But how can anyone take that law? Meanwhile, there are a hundred thousand people walking around New York City who are getting access to tax fa- taxpayer-funded benefits who came into the country legally, who we just heard from Tom Home in the last hour, are lying about their asylum status. They're lying so they can try to you know game the system. Lying to the system is also illegal. People go to prison for perjury. You just see that there it just becomes so politicized. Like there's yeah. no foundational honor or morality to this. Yeah, and a good way of crystallizing that is what they're doing to Trump in New York City is they are elevating a misdemeanor to a felony. Almost everywhere in America, Soros-backed prosecutors are lowering felonies to misdemeanors. Same thing you can say in Jan 6 cases in federal court in Washington, D.C. They are constantly elevating, unless you're Ray Epps, every January 6th defendant to the absolute apex punishment associated with the crime while simultaneously lowering the punishment for everyone accused of actual violent crimes. And that's going on all over the country. And so if your position was, and this is why I think it's important to stand on principle, if your position is, hey, all criminal acts should be punished to the highest and utmost authority of the law, I can understand that. We can argue about whether or not that makes sense for notions of justice, but it's consistently applied. 
Instead, what you get is if your political persuasion is the wrong one, we're going to try to put you in prison for the rest of your life. If you are just engaging in violent behavior and you happen to be a young minority in this country, oh, we're going to do virtually nothing to you. And to your point, Buck, the more times you get arrested, the more times you're likely to get arrested. It's not like you get arrested a 100 times and you're like, oh, this one really is going to put me on the straight and narrow now. You are a violent perpetrator consistently. You should be behind bars. I lived in New York for almost my entire life. I worked for the NYPD for a while. I went to high school in New York City, grammar school in New York City. My family's all... Anyway, point being, I do not believe I would get a fair trial in New York right now. Yeah. If the, you know, I mean, if the issue had anything to do with politics at all, right? Or, or if there's any infusion. Or just, I mean, put it in the context of that, Dan, uh, the, the, the guy, Daniel Penny, right? Who got arrested, uh, for right. putting the chokehold. Does it, he it, feel like he has in any way a fair trial that's coming to him? I was going to say, I mean, if, if I were Daniel Penny, and I've, I've had situations where I've thought, you know, should I intervene here? I mean, is this something because you see people doing things, um, and, and it looks like it could escalate and you're like, oh gosh, what happens here? If I were Daniel Penny as Buck Sexton, if I had stepped in and choked that guy, do I think I would get a fair trial in New York City? Absolutely not. Do I think I would be more likely to get a fair trial with a jury in Florida? Yes, I do. Because I think that my point here is just that's how political it's all gotten. Yeah. That even in my hometown, I'd rather be, you know, a new person in a new state because at least there's a likelihood that there might be people that take a more just point of view on things. We'll take more of your calls, 800-282-2882, uh, and uh, continue to roll through the Friday edition of the program. In the meantime, catch the online sale at MyPillow's website this week. They're having a closeout sale. I want all of you to listen carefully. All of you who have been so fired up with the pronunciation of these sheets. We went back to MyPillow, and we said, hey, let's make sure we get this right. Per Kel, per Kel sheets, everyone out there. Everyone who has complained about the pronunciation, I hope you have bought 14 different versions of these sheets. You are now the big winners. Per Kel sheets, you're going to love them. Uh, they're fantastic. They have an incredible offer. Queen size sheets, 35 bucks. Twin size sheets, 25 bucks. You'll want to see our names at the promo code because you get a big time deal. Clay and Buck. Uh, these sets of sheets, deep pockets to fit over any mattress and mattress topper. Well constructed. Just go to mypillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square to get the MyPillow per kale sheets. $25 for a twin set. $35 for a queen set. Enter the promo code Clay and Buck. 800-792-3269. Per kale. Per kale. It's a miracle. Download and use the new Clay and Buck app. Listen to the program live. Catch up on any part of the show you might have missed. Use your CNB 24-7 subscription to get access to the guys. Find the Clay and Buck app in your app store and make it part of your day. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. 
Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk, the cell phone company we both rely on, is further investing in their customers without charging an extra penny. Pure Talk is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in more than 50 countries, too. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. You keep your phone number and your phone unless you want to get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Up to you. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Hey, you know, I'm still fired up about Fetterman. And by the way, we're going to take a lot of calls. But I saw a picture yesterday, and I shared it on social media, Buck, of Fetterman. I mean, he looks like he's a car repairman, and there's nothing wrong with being a car repairman. But I think even car, uh, you know, the repairmen or plumbers or uh, UPS drivers who might wear long shirts and shorts as a part of their job, tennis shoes, would, if they went on the United States Senate floor, at least wear pants and probably a button-down shirt to show respect for the job that they have. And I, know I one of my jobs, one of my many jobs back in the day, uh, Buck, was I worked at Abercrombie & Fitch when I was in college. Uh, that means he's a handsome man. Only handsome worked, and good-looking ladies can work there. Okay. I worked at Abercrombie & Fitch, Pentagon City Mall. You for know those my wife worked at Abercrombie & Fitch. You guys have that in common. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, so I worked at Abercrombie and Fitch. Nice way to meet girls. Fun college job at the Pentagon City Mall. And do you know what one of the requirements was to work at Abercrombie and Fitch? I don't know if it still is, but one of the Be requirements back in the day. Well, 
I mean, I, I think I narrowly got in under Clay, the, Clay yeah, doesn't you, want to say that one, but you know, you had to have a certain all American. You, you have to be good looking on some level. Like, like I always say, we're, you and I are good looking for radio show hosts. So I might have gotten in barely under the bar we're on like, good looking. We're like, uh, male fitness models for radio I, hosts. For radio not, show not hosts. Not for real life. Radio show hosts, you and I are dreamboats, but, um, there's a lot of ugly radio show hosts, FYI. But, um, for the, uh, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch. We're talking about mustaches. And I don't know if they still have this rule. You can't have facial hair. You, you have to, if you are a man, at least in the late 90s, early 2000s, when I was working there at Pentagon City Mall, by the way, within sight distance of where they interrogated Monica Lewinsky during the Clinton impeachment trial, in order to work at that Abercrombie & Fitch, you had to shave. You had to have no facial hair. I believe, Buck, the New York Yankees, I think I'm correct in this. Some of our staff, I believe, are Yankees fans or they're poor suffering Mets fans, but um you can't have facial hair in order to be a member of the New York Mets. My point on this is there are some things that you do in order to have a job that you might choose not to do otherwise that you understand are a condition of that job when you decide to apply for the job. And I I really, I see this Fetterman thing, and I think it just represents a degradation of American institutions like the Senate. And I understand some of you out there may not care, and I'm not, again, a clothes, I mean, look at the stuff that I wear. I'm not pretending to be an expert in clothing. But, Buck, if I went to a funeral and I was in shorts and a T-shirt and flip-flops, I would be embarrassed to appear in a funeral in that outfit. And if I went to a wedding... I would be embarrassed to appear in that unit, in that outfit. I used to give tours when I was in Washington DC. In addition to working at Abercrombie and Fitch, I was an intern, uh, on Capitol Hill. And I would give tours of the Senate floor and the House floor. The idea that I would ever have shown up to work on Capitol Hill in shorts would have been an affront to everything or that I would walk onto those august floors showing disrespect like he is doing, and I, I just think, I'm sorry, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, like this degradation of the Senate by just allowing him to walk around in shorts and like a hoodie, it's an embarrassment. And, and, and I think whether you're a Democrat, Republican, or an Independent, something is wrong with John Fetterman, I think fundamentally in his brain, that he would even think he's running for the job of senator. The job of senator requires that sometimes you wear a jacket, coat, and tie. I I just well, find this not, completely. He's not running. He is. Right? Yeah, he's but, not but running when he was he running, but the... once you win, when you uh, uh, go to interview for a job, you understand that there are certain requirements involved in that. For instance, if you're driving around in a UPS truck, you're going to be wearing the brown outfit. I'm sure there's dudes out there listening to us right now driving the UPS outfit that are like, you know what, brown's not the best color for me. I'd rather be in an all white outfit. I'd rather be in an all red outfit. I'd rather be in blue. Yeah. They wear brown. Because there's a there's an obligation. As Can I tell you a, a, um, one of my one of my idiosyncrasies, of which there are many. I hate name tags. Like yeah. I don't care if other people wear them, but I never want to wear them. I've never. I just. I've I had don't to wear, wear name tags. You know, like people say, "Come on, here's your name tag," and I'm just like, "I'm an adult. People can speak to me, and I will introduce myself. I am not a name tag guy." So I was thinking about this just because you know, on some uniforms, you got to put your name on it. Which is useful, I get it, but I'm kind of anti-name tag as a I general. I mean, are you as, 
It seems to me like you, who is more of the old man, turn your music down. Don't make it. Don't pull your phones out of movies. Am I more angered by the Fetterman outfit thing than you are? Um, no, you don't I, seem I as agree. fired up about that. I'm really fired up about it. I mean, I I agree. It's it's disrespectful, but I also wonder if at some point are we are we playing into? You're worried that we're making him more popular by giving yes, him attention for doing. We're playing into this brand and the attention and the. You know, rebel without a cause, Fetterman nonsense with all this stuff. Like he wants to look like a like a schlub. You know, that's up to him. I don't know. I, I'm not yeah, sure I mean, we want to. Ch- if he chose to do it, I just don't like changing the rules to allow him to do it. Like I think that's the shameful part. I like, also am wearing a hoodie right now, so I feel a little conflicted. <laughs> I'm in a t-shirt and shorts. More than a movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 